Let the church say amen. amen. Let's do a tad bit better than that. Let the church say amen. amen. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. And not to mention, he gave us an extra hour of sleep if you took advantage of it. So, <laughs> praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I have been blessed with worship today. And so thank you uh, for all who have participated thus far. May the Lord meet us in the word now, amen? Amen. amen. Well, I'll ask you to rise. Uh, if you're able, we're going to jump right into it. This morning's verse, or this morning's sermon, is actually coming from one verse. One verse, Isaiah 54 and 10. Uh, I'll spend uh, a little bit of time with the context to try to set up uh, the verse, but it is one verse nonetheless. And this morning's message, or the title rather, A Love That Never Ends. A love that never ends. So let me read this in your hearing, and then I'll pray, and then afterwards you can take your seat. This is the word of the Lord from his prophet Isaiah. It says, For the mountains may depart, and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall never or shall not depart from you. And my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Father, this is but one verse, and yet there's so much within it. We ask, O oh Lord, that your spirit would be with us as we seek to hear a word from you. Help me to declare what it is you would have me to. May your people hear what you would have them to hear. We thank you so much for this time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Take your seat. A love that never ends. Why don't you say that with me? A love that never ends. Just say it one more time. A love that never ends. Indeed, that is the case as it relates to the Lord's love for us. You've heard, for example, the phrase unconditional love. Unconditional love is a love that is not based on any conditions. The Lord loves you and me out of his own goodwill. There is nothing that we can do to earn the love that he provides. And at the same time, if he sets his love upon us, there's nothing we can do that would make him remove his love from us. Amen? That's unconditional love. Not only is the Lord's love unconditional, but as we'll see in this text and in this context, our Lord's love never ends. Once he places his love upon us, his love is always there. And that's good news, amen? That is great news. Now, having said that, it's perhaps 
easy for us to understand or hear that this side of the cross. But in these days, this would have been one of those situations where um, some of you, perhaps, uh, I don't think I've ever had this happen to me, but if you were being disciplined by a parent and the parent says, this is going to hurt me, more than it hurts you, <laughs> you, know, I, I, <laughs> I, you know, I was disciplined, but that was never the pretext or anything like that, yeah. <laughs> but, but for those of you all who heard that, uh, and maybe you understand it a little better now, but it might not have made that much sense in the moment. Well, in this text, in these days, in these times, this assurance of God's love was coming at a moment where at face value, it did not look like God's love was there. If you're not familiar with this prophecy, uh, the book of Isaiah, it is actually a book that is... Uh, uh, quoted fairly often in the New Testament. It is an important book. But that being said, the prophet Isaiah is considered an early prophet. For those of you all who, who like to dig deep, uh, he is someone who lived prior to the exile, to when God's people were removed from the land. And at face value, things at least from a material standpoint, things seem to be looking okay and well. But yet, the people's hearts were far from the Lord. And Isaiah has the responsibility, the difficult responsibility, to go out to the people and even to the nations, but specifically to God's people and let them know, look, God has been kind, he has been gracious, he has blessed us, he has done all of these wonderful and marvelous things, but why is it that we continue to turn our backs on our one true and living God? And so Isaiah is given a message to go out and to proclaim the Lord's discipline. In other words, people of God, it is a done deal. You will go into exile. Your land, our land, will be destroyed. Our houses will be torn down. Our people will be killed. It is a done deal. And if you read the first 40 chapters, first 39 chapters of Isaiah, you will see judgment after judgment after judgment. It's difficult to read. But the people turn their backs on God. And as a result, God must deal with their sin and their waywardness. Now, having given all of these judgments, praise be to God, he does not leave his people in the dirt. Afterwards, you will see a series of promises. The Lord disciplines, but he restores. 
He breaks down, but he builds up. His anger is but for a moment. And so it's a way, Isaiah's, the way his prophecies function, it's, again, you have done wrong by the Lord, and you must be disciplined, and it is a rough discipline. But our God will also restore you. And it's in this context where we have this verse, and you'll see many verses like it as a matter of fact, but he says in verse number 10 of chapter 54, For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall never depart from you. And my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Now think about that for a second. You are being told that you are going to go into exile. You are going to be uh, disciplined and broken down. It's going to be rough, and that's putting it lightly. And in the midst of hearing that, you hear this, I love you. It will never end. And, and, and you almost begin to wonder, what, what, what's going on, Lord? Are you speaking out of both sides of your mouth? And the question is no. The Lord who is holy, who must deal with sin, is at the same time a God of love. And he cares for his people, and he loves his people, and that will never, never cease, even when he must take us through some difficult times. Amen? A couple of things from this verse itself just to note, and then we'll look at a couple of applications. I want you to consider the imagery that he starts off with in verse number 10. And yes, this verse is a part of a, uh, an immediate context. We'll, we'll speak on that a tad bit, but allow me to just play with this verse for the most part. He goes on again in verse 10. He starts off, for the mountains may depart and the hills be removed. Now, think about that for a second. It's not often that you see a big mountain being moved. And yes, you know, I know construction work and so on and so forth, but, but bear with the imagery here. A big mountain, big hills, they for the most part are stationary. And these are not things that are going to be easily put aside or removed or done away with. These are big, big things. And what's happening is Isaiah is contrasting God's love and God's care for his people with the fact that these mountains, they can actually be removed before the Lord's love can. In other words, you see something that is impossible, something you just can't think happen and won't happen. Well, guess what? It will happen before the Lord himself removes his love for you. So in this verse, it's a way of highlighting the depth of God's love for his people, who again have been told some rough times are on the way as a result of your sin. 
So the imagery, again, it serves to show the depths of the next couple of verses. But my steadfast love shall not depart. This word can be translated in a couple of ways. For example, uh, kindness or loving kindness. It can be uh, referenced as goodness. It's Isaiah's way of saying what Paul said in Romans. Who or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? In other words, there is nothing. And even though the people of God must be disciplined and must go through some trying times, that does not negate the fact that God's love for them is deep and everlasting. And let me pause here for a second, because some of us need to let that soak in. Some of us, and, and I want to be careful of how I say this because I don't want to give a license to sin by any means, but something is not right if we are harder on ourselves than what God himself is. In other words, God says to you and I that we are forgiven in Christ. He has paid the price. It is finished. And there's nothing that can separate us from his love. And yet, some of us will beat ourselves up. We will walk around with constant guilt and shame. And if that is the case, you need to be reminded, just as Isaiah's people are reminded, that the mountains will be removed. The hills will be removed before the Lord's love will be removed. And so if you are stuck, or if you find yourself in a sin that just causes great anguish and pain, repent and look to the Lord's love and embrace it. Is there an amen for that? Amen. He says, my steadfast love shall not depart. And then he referenced this, references a covenant of peace. This is, this is, this is uh, and you, if you read uh, earlier in Isaiah 4, he begins to talk about this covenant. It, it's, it's like a, a contract that God makes with his people. And, and it's, 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 it's uh, unilateral in a sense. What I mean by that is, it's not as if God comes to you and says, and to me and says, let's make a contract. And you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And then you, you do this. You don't do that. And if one of us breaks it, then the contract is done. No, 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 no. God comes and says, I love you. You are mine. I'm going to redeem you. My son is yours. And I am holding myself to this contract regardless of whether you break it or not. That, that's the idea of this new covenant, this covenant of peace. This, it's a way of God inviting us to a good deal. It's, 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 it's something that benefits us uh, eternally. And, and it's something that God says, you know what? I am going to continue to love you. I'm going to continue to bless you, even though you might not hold up your end of the bargain. Know that because I am faithful, 
Know that because I have made a promise that my covenant, my peace, my love will always remain. Think about it like this. God has obligated himself to you and I. Think about that for a second. God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, the one with whom all things are possible, he, out of his own will, obligates himself to us. Not because of anything we've done. And it will not be broken because of anything we'll do. And that's one of the reasons why God is communicating to his people that, yes, I am disciplining you. I am taking you through some trials and some difficulties. But not only is my love for you never ending, I have obligated myself to you. And as such, my peace is for you. This is something that while they may not have fully embraced it in the moment, this would have been something that they would have understand, uh, understood in light of previous covenants. And then he ends this part of the, uh, this verse, says the Lord who has compassion on you. That can also be translated as pity or mercy. It's a way of saying that the Lord recognizes our difficulties. He knows who we are. He knows how frail we can be. He knows the fact that we, in, our, in and of ourselves, are not perfect. And as a result, his compassion is set upon us. Now, again, I want you to consider all of this in the context of the people who have not yet. And again, there are various interpreters who break the book down into different sections. And some will even say there are multiple authors. That's neither here nor there for right now. But the bigger picture is these folks who are hearing the prophecy of Isaiah are not only hearing that they will be disciplined, but they are being reminded that God will be with them and is with them, and that will never stop. What can we apply, or how can we apply this to our day and time? There are, there are a number of applications that I have. I won't give them all uh, in this moment, but a couple that I want you to take into consideration. The first is this. In the midst of difficulty or trials or tribulations, whether they're brought on because of our own sin or whether they are not a direct result of our sin, the love of God in Christ is meant to sustain us. In other words, what's going to carry these folks through their trying times. Partly knowledge of the fact that their creator, their redeemer, loves them. I said to some of the uh, ministry leaders who were present, some of you weren't present yesterday, and um, so that's just a way of, you know, letting you know I noticed, and uh, we'll talk. 
But I, I, I communicated to them about one of the, 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 the parts of uh, my vision casting framework, the idea of purpose. And I said, it, it, it'll be important for us to, to identify and embrace the purpose of what we're doing. Because when you find yourselves going through ministry and doing things, it will not be easy. But what is it that will help us navigate the difficulties of ministry? One of those things is the fact that we have purpose in it. If I'm doing something that's difficult and hard and, and, and trying, and I can't identify any purpose in it, then I'm setting myself up, perhaps, for great failure. Well, the knowledge of the love of God in this passage is meant to sustain the people. So while they are in exile, one of the things they can think about is the fact that God himself loves me. It may not feel like it in the moment. I may not be able to see it at face value by sight. But God has said, that his love will never be removed. He says that he has obligated himself to me, and as such, he is mine and I am his. This love is meant to sustain his people. And so whenever you're going through something, whenever you find yourself in a trying or difficult moment, Yes, it will be tempting to try to figure out what can I do to get out of it. That's natural. But oftentimes, what if the Lord is calling us to remember his love for us? His love in this verse is meant to sustain, assure the people that he loves them and cares for them, even in the midst of their difficulties. That's God's love toward us. If we are to reflect our love or the love of God, then we must also be mindful that we are called, when it comes to loving our brothers and our sisters who are going through difficult moments themselves, how is it that our love is helping to sustain them. And again, this can be done in a variety of ways. You know, for some folks, you, you know, they don't need you coming there like Job's friends and saying, hey, you know, this or that and this or that, and that's not the case. Some folks just need you to show love in the form of your presence. You're there. Some folks need to know that you care. In other words, just as God's love sustains his people, you and I, in difficulty, we are called to love others in the midst of their difficulty, their pain, their trying times. And may the love that we show be a love that enables them to endure. Amen? This next point, on some level, I, I hope is obvious, but as the Lord's love is never-ending, so should our love to God and to one another be never-ending. Now, 
I'm not trying to get super deep and does this mean we trust folks who've hurt us? Do we continue to let folks have X, Y, and Z? That's not necessarily what I'm after. I'm after a bigger and larger point that we are called to love as Christ. Amen? We are called to love as Christ. And if Christ's love for us is unending, a steadfast love, we too should be loving others and not just for a season, not just as long as they are doing right by us, not just as long as I am benefiting from giving them love. And I know, and by the way, I'm not standing up here saying that to love is an easy thing. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say something. I'm like, well, should I? But then I'm like, I'm the pastor, aren't I? So uh, some of us, let me say, I was going to say some of you jokers. <laughs> let me rephrase that in the moment. Some of us, we can be hard to love. <laughs> I got a witness. Some of us, if we are honest, we can be difficult to love. But yet, it is good to know that not only does God himself love us unending, but it's good to know that we have others who will love us despite us, despite it being difficult to love us. And, and, and by the way, for those of you all, for those of us who are difficult to love, this is not a license to continue to be difficult to love. <laughs> That's just an acknowledgement of a reality. But may the Spirit help us to become easier to love, if you will. But for those of us, all of us, all of us who are called to love, know that our love should be never-ending. I was listening to a testimony yesterday about a guy who had given up on God. He, um, he was raised up in the church. His mother was faithful and not only carrying him to church, but also um, making sure he understood Jesus. And as he grew up, found himself in difficult things, trying things, and a lot of it was the result of his own sin. And he found himself just going through all kinds of crazy stuff. And he began to question God. I came up in the church, and I know I'm not perfect, but I shouldn't be going through what I'm going through. And he actually confessed for a season that he no longer wanted anything to do with God. And actively began to live a life that showed that. And long story short, what brought him back, of course, was the Lord himself. 
but it was the Lord using his mother to communicate that God's love was there for him. And, and, and despite what he was going through, even despite the sins that he committed, God loved him. And he said that as he continued to think and reflect upon that love, it was that love that not only sustained him, but it was that love that brought him running back to the Lord. This is our God. He loves us, and it'll never end. And we are called to go out and display this kind of love. We see this love shown in this table which we'll come to here in a second. But I want you, as we, as we get ready to close this, this part of the service out, I want you to reflect upon great gifts that you have received. And, 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 and it could be something practical. You could think about the greatest gift, a, a parent, a, a friend, a spouse, or whoever. Some of us perhaps can identify some things. And in addition to that, think about what God has done for us. Think about how God has given us wonderful and great gifts. What is the greatest gift? The greatest gift, of course, is His Son. And what his son went through for us. Oh, praise the Lord. What his son went through, his own exile. I need not read Isaiah 53, but consider that your homework, if you will. His son the people who went through exile, the people who uh, were disciplined and removed from the land, this would be a picture of what Christ voluntarily does for you and I upon that cross. When he's on the cross, and I say it all the time because I have to remind myself and I, remind, I try to remind others what the Son of God went through for you and me was not easy even for him. And I say that confessing he was 100% God, but also 100% man. When he is in that garden crying out, Lord, if we can do this another way, that is a real cry. When he is on the cross asking the Father, or rather saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is a real question. What he went through was difficult. But just as God would bring the people back into the land, so too would he raise up Christ. So I say all of that to say that because we are loved by God, we will not forever be in a place of trial or tribulation. 
There'll be a day where we no longer have to carry a cross. There'll be a day where it'll no longer be hard to love that unlovable person. There'll be a day where it'll be easy to, to, I shouldn't say easy, there'll be a day where we don't have to worry about pain and fear and doubt. And that's because of the fact that God has placed his love on us. Now, for those who are not in Christ, I stand up here and I say it almost in a timid way, but I say it as I understand the scripture. This is a love reserved for those in Christ. In other words, I cannot stand up here and just proclaim, hey, this is for all indiscriminately. If you read the scriptures, we're constantly pointed to God and to his son. And we're constantly given these beautiful promises in connection with his son. And so I say to anyone, as we get ready to take this table, I say to, for one, those of you all who know Jesus, those of you all who are going through difficult times, those of you all who are anticipating difficult times, lay hold of the love that is yours, and may it sustain you. And for those who might not be in Christ, or for those who are questioning, know that this love can be yours. Call out to Jesus. Confess your sin. Acknowledge that you are in need of this love. And it's yours. You don't have to go get right. You don't have to go do this 12 or 13 step program. When you call out to the Lord, know that this love is yours and all of the promises that come with it. So brothers and sisters, let us on this morning give praise and thanks that no matter what we go through, no matter the trial or tribulation, the Lord's love is with us. It'll never leave. And with that, we can take great joy. And may we reflect that love to others as well. Father, we bless your most holy name. And Father, as we looked at this portion of scripture this morning, we are encouraged and we take joy in knowing that even when we go astray, when we fall, when we must go through trying times, whether it's a result of our sin or not a result of our sin, you are a father that continues to love us. You have obligated yourself to us. You are compassionate. And Father, we thank you so much. And I pray, Father, that as your children, we will be reminded of this promise, this word, in our most difficult and trying times. And may it be this love. May it be this obligation. May it be this, this, this the compassion that enables us to walk through the valleys and the storms. And Father, help us by your Spirit to give this love to our fellow brothers and sisters. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.